amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you. Good night. I love you.
You are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's biggest Trump supporters. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. Fantastic show, uh, fantastic guests, uh, fantastic dialogue. So many things got put into perspective, and all all the topics got established. Uh, just a great, great show, and uh, I'm very happy about it. Um, as we know, the weekend is approaching. Always a big relief and always a good feeling. Uh, it's almost here, everybody. But um, lots happened in the news since yesterday and today. Been massive overflow with new information, new articles, all that stuff. So we're going to get, it, get to it. Uh, first and foremost, when I start the show, I always want to thank my special guests, my audience, my co-hosts, and my unbelievable sponsors. Remember, we are now listened to in 22 different countries. We are also downloadable on over 60 online platforms. So you can see us all over the Internet. Um, I do want to welcome on the line. We have lobbyists, political activists, and um, strategists. Josh Halabate on the phone. How are you? 
Fantastic. How are you, Rory? Good to have you here, Josh. Josh Halavate, ladies and gentlemen. We also have with us at, the, at this moment, we have doctor, award-winning speaker, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and Arizona Superintendent of Public Instruction 2018 candidate, and currently the Commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Robert Branch. How are you? Well, I'm fantastic, Rory. Thanks for having me on tonight. Look forward to talking to you as always, and hello, Josh, to you too, sir. Howdy, howdy. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's amazing what's happened today. I mean, we have one thing after the other. I, uh, I, I first and foremost, I want to get into um, this whole uh, situation with Manafort and, and the Russian uh, investigation and how it was announced today that Manafort is going to prison, but once again, it's, it's a person that was involved with Trump that is going to prison for something they did before they met Trump. It has nothing to do with Trump. Paul Manafort's going to prison for tax evasion. Same thing Michael Cohen's going to prison for. Have we seen anything with Russian collusion to this point? No. Uh, the, the only way, the only thing these people are getting indicted for are for tax crimes, financial crimes, fraud, stuff they did way before they met Trump. Uh, Dr. Branch, I want you to speak on this. And don't forget about the 81 letters that were sent to innocent people that were involved with Trump. Oh, you're absolutely right. It, 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 it's a darn shame what this witch hunt that they're doing. Did you see at 4 o'clock this afternoon, Judge Ellis – Slap the gavel down, and the first thing he said is, this has nothing to do with Russian collusion. Right, I right, mean, and remember, judge came Dr. Out. Branch, I want, you to con- I want you to continue, but I want to pitch this in real quick. Um, d- don't forget, Manafort, they said, was going to face like 40, 50 years. They were going to give him some ridiculous sentence, remember? And exactly right. If you watched any of the liberal left media they were talking about, you know, 70, 80 years they expected him to get today. The prosecutors wanted it, what, at least 19 years? And he got, like, 47 months, less than four years. So we'll probably be out in two. It's incredible, incredible. And it has nothing to do with Russian collusion. And like you said, these are crimes that were done before his involvement with Trump on the Trump campaign. The witch hunt continues, though. The witch hunt continues. And the fact that they haven't found anything, and now they're going into his personal finances and trying to go after his kids and his family, like they're getting really personal. And that's not what the investigation is for. But they're just bitter that there's nothing on Russian collusion, so they want to go to whatever uh, level uh, to get him uh, as pot. I mean, they'll do anything. It's ridiculous. Josh, go ahead. You know, the last few shows, Dr. Branch has, has put it, I think, perfectly, that all this is is them fishing. They're fishing for information that they're just hoping will, will come up. You know, this is like if, if I was in an area in a, uh, fishing in a, in a lake where all there was was catfish and bass and hoping that I was going to pull out a shark. Um, it, it's not going to happen. You know what? They may end up catching people for things like Manafort, they went into Manafort because they were hoping for Russian collusion and found him on something else. But this, I mean, this has nothing to do with Russian collusion, as uh, you know, as the judge 
already said, they're going to continue to fish. Um, I think they're going to continue to fish until Trump has served out his full eight years uh, when he gets reelected this next uh, election cycle. And who knows, even after that, they may continue to fish. Well, what, what bothers me and, and what, what, I, what I'm really upset about is that, you know, the, the, the treatment that our president gets, like how, how terribly he gets uh, ambushed and com- completely ridiculed on a daily basis, and, and people are out to get him every second, and they can open up all these crazy investigations, you know, just because they're dirty, just because they can, they have the power. But for ever, any other president, it's never gotten this dirty. I mean, they, they, the last thing they want that in Washington, D.C. is President Trump. They want him out of there so bad. And, you know, the fact that they will basically go against ethics and go against what they were put in there for to try and uh, hurt him and his family is absolutely disgraceful. Well, you know, there's people that have been super negative towards – you know all the all all the presidents, but here's the deal: the the reason, the thing that's so different about the negativity towards Trump, besides the fact yeah. that it's a lot more than towards other presidents, uh, especially yeah. since the majority, ninety percent of the media is strictly against Trump. Besides all that, the thing about Trump that makes it so difficult for especially conservatives to wrap their head around the negative comments are Trump has not done anything that is super headlining, maybe besides building the wall. But the thing, even with building the wall, it had bipartisan support before Trump got in office. So he's not doing anything that's so, you know, radical. Like, for instance, when conservatives got angry at Obama, it was because he was trying to give everybody free health care like a socialist or take their guns away or, you know, was doing things that were extreme. Trump hasn't done anything extreme. He's only done things to help the country. You're very, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's like whenever Trump farts, they want to do a story on him. They want to be on him when he, <laughs> you know, any, any step he takes, any breath he makes, they want a story about it. Like, for instance, today I saw online uh, or yesterday, they, he called Tim Cook, Tim Apple, and the media is like, oh, he didn't call Tim Cook by his real last name. He, he said Tim Apple. And then, the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, put on his Twitter today as his username, Tim, and then an Apple sign. So that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, but th- that's just crazy, though, how the media will write about the smallest things that uh, have no merit. And obviously Trump knows what Tim's last name is. He just called him Tim Apple. I mean, but it just goes to show. And then what about the scoops of ice cream? We all remember Trump gets two scoops. Everybody else gets one. I mean, all this petty bullshit that the left wing sucks, sucks upon. Um, uh, Dr. Branch. You know, one of our hallmarks in the United States has always been a, a peaceful transition of power. Yeah. You don't have that here. You never had that here. You had everybody on the left calling for his, President Trump's impeachment, even before yeah. he was sworn into office. It has right. not let up one day. You know, everybody talks when you get elected to an office, you have this honeymoon period, you know, yeah. uh, and it, that honeymoon period never happened. Donald Trump right. never had one breath. But the beautiful 
President Trump, and the reason we have the right guy in this office is it didn't face yeah. him once. He lives yeah. on it. It's like, fine, I'm playing chess. You guys are playing checkers, and you have no clue of the next move I'm going to make, and he's making America great again. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Trump is always 100, 100 – in my, in my strong opinion, and many agree with me, Trump is always 100 steps ahead of everyone. You know, he's always way ahead of what anybody else is doing, and, he, and it's like he can predict the future in a lot of ways. Um, but also – What's interesting is that um, the fact of um, – oh, God, I, I, God, how did I just lose my train of thought? Josh, go ahead. I'll come back to my train of thought. You got it. You know, the thing that I find most extraordinary, especially with when you were talking about, uh, you know, how the media jumps on every little thing, the, the amount of – uh, hypocritism, you know, the, how hypocritical the media is, specifically when you see headlines all day long about how, quote-unquote, Republicans pounce at blank or Republicans, you know, uh, attack. But, you know, and it's, you, think, you think back and you're like, well, Trump calls Tim Cook Tim Apple, and everyone loses their, you know, multiple news agencies make a story out of it. Like, it's something to discuss. Like, who yeah. cares? Like, why is this Im- – right. first off, why is it important? And, and you know, they, and of course they're going to only continue to do one side because that's all their narrative buys for. Very true. Well said. Um, yeah, and, you know, I knew – I, now I know what I was going to say. Even if Trump cured cancer, it wouldn't be enough for the media. They would spin the story and say, oh, wh- what about diabetes? We're not happy with cancer. We, we want to keep our cancer. That would be their exact mindset. Anything this guy does, it's not good enough for anyone that hates him. <laughs> well, you know, Rory, Rory, I identify, I identify specifically with my cancer. If you take my cancer away from me, then I won't be able to be a, a, a transgender, um, uh, yeah. uh, um, ex-gen something or other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, they'd make it into something, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, seriously though, um, I wanna I wanna really bring this up, and this is just mind blowing and absolutely disgusting. Michael Cohen came out today um, saying he's suing Trump. <laughs> he wants all his attorney lawyer fees paid for, and I'm thinking to myself, who the fuck is this guy? This mu- this guy has some nerve, man. This guy, this weakling who's going to prison for three years, and God, I hope, I hope somebody cracks him in there. You know, I don't want him to get really hurt, but I hope somebody, you know, gives him a punch or two in, that, in prison for being a rat. But, uh, but no, I, you know, this guy, he's got some nerve, I'll tell you. Um, after everything he put the Trump family through, after everything, uh, you know, he did to betray his old boss that basically gave him a whole new life, gave him a whole new you know, uh, luxury, uh, just he throws it right back in his face. I mean, Cohen is an opportunist. He has no damn respect for people that uh, show him the way and uh, make him a bunch of money. And uh, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, in the end, if, uh, if he has something to gain off of it, uh, he'll, back, he'll backfire on the person and make up slanderous lies and try to, ru- try to ruin what's currently going on. That's great in our country. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. 
you know, I, I was thinking, reflecting on what you said about, you know, what should happen to him in the uh, in prison. Um, in the big and house. I'm thinking how the yeah in the big house how how but now the liberal the liberal media will say here you go Trump supporters preaching this but I reflect back on Joe Biden on what he said about President Trump or said about candidate Trump at that time that he wants to take him out behind the uh, the, the the woodshed and beat the heck yeah. out of him I mean yeah. but. Everybody gave Biden a slide for saying that, but as exactly. soon as a Trump supporter says anything like this, it's headline know, it's, news. It's worldwide. It's headline news. You know, and to me, you know that that's the double standard that we've been putting up with for far too long, for far too long. And I like what you know what Josh said about owning the cancer because that's exactly what it is. You know, you have you have a, a full political side there that. You know, it claims that, you know, we can do no harm. What we say is right. And then yeah. anything that you say is wrong. And to me, you know, the, the looking at what hap- is happening with Michael Cohen, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think Vegas should open up odds on him even is seeing this a pen of Trump's actually, money. Is this guy serious when he asked for Trump to pay for his lawyer bills when Michael Cohen just went in there and lied and made a fool of himself? And totally betrayed, uh, you know, a guy that, you know, gave him a big opportunity. This, the Michael Cohen, there's something mentally wrong with him, or it's just a big publicity stunt for attention. Because it's not going to go in Michael Cohen's favor. Anything to keep him in the headlines, you know, as we talked about before, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, this all has to do with book deals. This has to do with novels, anything to keep them in the headlines and the lies that he is spewing in their lies. It's it's funny because even the liberal media says, yeah, 90 percent of what he said was a lie. Well, he lied again under oath that three years. I, you know, really hope becomes 10 to 15 years. He needs to go away for an awful long time. And by the way, when he gets out in 15 years, I don't think you'll still see a penny of Donald Trump's money. So good luck exactly. with that. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, and that's right. You're absolutely right because they are opening an investigation um, into uh, Michael Cohen and, and his perjury uh, situation because he's definitely guilty of perjury. And they're, you know, Mark Meadows and I think um, Jim Jordan are getting that underway. So. Hopefully, let's pray. Let's pray that he gets uh, what he deserves. Um, Josh, go ahead. You know, I would like to say if uh, if we have Vegas odds coming out, I would love to put some money on whether or not a book deal comes out in the next uh, three to four, five years. So I think that'd I'm in be a on that too, buddy. Bet. <laughs> I, I, that'd be some. I think we can make some quick uh, quick money there to, collectively. But you know, here's the deal. I, this is the one good thing that Trump has done. Uh, you know, specifically to the country for the country about the media is that even though the media has doubled down on attacking Trump and attacking conservatives and attacking Republicans, we are seeing and starting to see people waking up not only on the right, but also on the, uh, on the middle and some towards the left that are seeing that the first one, first off, it's not fair. And second off, some of it's just blatant lies. We never had any sort of pushback like this before, so it, it does make me optimistic for the future that we do have this sort of pushback. And I'm not talking just about pushback in people's minds and what they say, but also from the Covington Catholic kid who's now suing 
uh, a couple branches yep. in the media, I mean, this could this could have big, uh, you know, repercussions. Absolutely, and you know, just like I said, uh, I think I think I said this last week on the program, but you know, this whole Covington High School loss, big lawsuit uh, situation that he's suing all these different media networks for slander and defamation. I think this is going to really uh, make a huge statement, and it's going to make a significant impact on the future of journalism because these companies are not going to want to lose all this money and and get all of all of this uh, all these things drained from drained from their company. Um, so they're going to have to be more careful. Obviously, you know what I mean. No, I mean absolutely, and it's it's going to make them somewhat accountable for the first time in a long, long exactly. time. Exactly, you know. Exactly. One of the reasons why and they I were so the not they... accountable, it, one of the reasons they were so not accountable is because they were doing actual reporting. So they didn't need to be accountable because they weren't purposely trying to target anybody. Now that they're starting to specifically target people and it's so blatant, we're going to see them start to get sued and held accountable. Yeah, which is which needs to happen because the double standard and the whole, you know, uh, unfair advantage. I mean, those days are over. I mean, this is this is all helping. I mean, you got the the, the free speech executive order that's going to help on all college campuses. Like I said earlier in the week, it's going to protect both sides. You have these big lawsuits going against uh, like the New York Times, CNN, Washington Post by the Covington kids. That's going to make a ton of money and going to drain these, you know, uh, court, a lot of these bank accounts from these news outlets because they're, they're suing for a lot of money. And, you know, even if they don't get what they're asking for, they're going to get at least half of that, I guess. I mean, they're going to get a lot. There's no doubt about it. Um, Nick Sandman's going to be a very rich kid by the time he turns 18. He's, I think he's only still like 16 years old. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. It, it really is. Uh, and uh, it's absolutely necessary. And Dr. Branch, you know, you are on these college campuses. I mean, you've, you've, you know what it's like. I mean, you, you know the, the demographics. It, it is amazing to me. It is amazing to me that even on quote-unquote Christian conservative campuses that this is going on. You know, we just seen uh, down here at uh, Grand Canyon University uh, yep. where, uh, you know, a talk show host, a very conservative talk show host, uh, mm-hmm. was supposed to come to campus. Uh, the college Republicans uh, arranged it. Uh, the president uh, came out, the president of the university came out and said, no, uh, Ben Shapiro is not invited. Uh, and the reason he's not invited is because we have a substantial amount of uh, undocumented students and a substantial amount of DACA students going to our school, and it would be insensitive to yeah. have that, uh, to have freedom of speech basically on campus. And I went ballistic. I mean, it, it, well, you know me. I mean, I, I couldn't stand by to that. See, see, that's what and, I'm tired of, Dr. Branch, is that the liberals can do it. And, and if anybody bitches about it from the right, the liberals start freaking out and going crazy and playing the victim stance. But we do it, and they start screaming, screaming bloody murder as well. So they're allowed to do it. We are not. It, it, well, but, but fortunately, we do. Some of us do. And, uh, you know, we, I, went, I went to a couple organizations, and I said, listen, 
you know, I understand because what ended up happening is there was a lot of negative publicity against Grand Canyon. So uh, Brian Mueller, who's the president of Grand Canyon, he came forth and he said, okay, the college Republicans, he's not the young Republicans, he's not going to work with them anymore. But on a personal basis, Grand Canyon is inviting Ben Shapiro, and Ben basically told him to uh, where he could put his invitation. However, um, I got in touch with several organizations, asked them to please get in touch with Ben Shapiro and let Ben know that he needs to come to campus. He can't let Brian Mueller and Grand Canyon just off the hook because right. they'll just say, well, yes, we invited him. He said, no, it's like, right. no, you and have to show up. You have to make it uncomfortable. You have to have freedom of speech on that campus. Yep. And the good news is he's coming to Grand Canyon. So I want to tell news. you, I want to tell, I want to tell everybody what I think is next in terms of with these, with high schools, because we already know colleges some of them, or a good amount of them, get funding from dirty money overseas, and that's a known fact. From like Saudi Arabia, some of these dirty places give some of these Ivy League schools a bunch of money, and that's one of the reasons you're not allowed to criticize Muslims. Um, there's a bunch of other reasons, believe me, and we'll get into that. But I really think now that the colleges have the Middle East money in their pocket. I think the next next is high school. I mean, we're seeing all these high schools across the country that are uh, turning turning down uh, Trump uh, merchandise or apparel uh, that people bring to school. And you know, if it's a left, if it's a liberal, uh, they applaud it. You know, it's it's scary, and it makes me think th- these school these schools are starting to get in bed with leftist organizations. What do you say to that, Dr. Branch? Well, I, to me, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that all of that's happening. You know, when we had, well, just look at, okay, one example, just look at the social discourse that's now happening in our, we got to go to commercial commercial in about a minute. Okay. Well, you see the social discourse that's happening in our Congress. It is beyond pale, but these people now are being affected by campaign funds and campaign donations. And those are coming from the dark money and the black money that you're talking about that, you know, runs a lot of the country. And to me, you know, that you, you see this now and you see this locally here in our schools where children can't even wear anything that has to do with President Trump. He's the sitting president of the United States, and they can't wear anything that says Donald Trump on it. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You're, you're absolutely right. I want to go to I want to go to Josh. Then I'm going to go to a quick commercial. Then we're going to introduce our guest. But Josh, go ahead. Then I got to go to a 30 second commercial. Gotcha. I'll be brief. The fact that there are any schools, colleges, or high school that are keeping students from wearing a specific political uh, statement on their shirts is absolutely ridiculous. If you want to ban all of them, that's fine. Like that, I mean, I think it's stupid still, but that's, you know, a, a, a more fair decision. But when you're just specifically banning Trump uh, merchandise, it's, uh, it's, it's targeting and it's so apparent it's not even funny. Yeah, and, and for, before we go to a quick 30-second break, I do want to say regarding this matter, the AZ Republicans want the Attorney General to investigate the free speech violations uh, in, the, in the Perry High School incident 
in Gilbert just this past week. And Dr. Branch, you recall it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. Know exactly what you're talking about. We'll go to commercial. We'll be right back. 30 seconds. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. All righty, we are back, everybody. Uh, I want to welcome our, our first guest, Steven, Steven Seagal's co-author and business partner, ex-chief deputy U.S. marshal, martial artist, U.S. Army veteran, musician, political activist, and the current mayor of Payson, Arizona, Tom Morrissey. How are you? Oh, wow. <laughs> You're going to give me a swell head, Murray. I'm, I'm very, very good. I've been listening to your show, and Dr. Br- Dr. Branch is a, is a friend. And, uh, is he still on? Yeah, he's here. Okay. I am, Tom. Well, Welcome tonight, Mr. Mayor. Congratulations on yeah. your victory. Well, thank you, I think, Doctor. <laughs> it, it, it's an adventure. You, you know, the, the establishment is everywhere. And uh, and uh, without exception, we have the establishment here in Payson. But uh, we're causing quite a stir with them and uh, trying to undo some of the, uh, the established uh, practices that need undoing. So but anyway, it's good to be on. How, how are you all doing? Well, doing doing very well. We have a lot to get into. I want to welcome as well uh, nationally syndicated radio talk show host, lobbyist, successful businessman, public speaker, political consultant, strategist, and activist, Clint Bellows. How are you, my friend? I'm delighted to be here. I am delighted to Dr. Branch's commenting again, and I have to say we've had about 20 below zero Al Gore generated global warming here in the upper Midwest for two weeks now. <laughs> and uh, I was able to watch uh, Under Siege starring Steven Seagal three different times over the weekend. So uh, I watched him uh, blow up Tommy Lee Jones and uh, the rest of those guys. I, I, I always loved that one. I, I like all of his movies, but I think that's my favorite. So uh, congratulations. I don't know why anybody want to be a mayor today, but uh, you with your martial arts and other background you've got, you're certainly uh, uh, well uh, well skilled in uh, probably some of the skills that you you need to have to to uh, carry on in public office these days. That's for sure. Well, it, it, the martial arts help uh, to keep me balanced, um, and uh, balance is is really the the key word key word because uh, if if you're balanced, if you're in the center, uh, you know you don't tend to get drawn. In, into things that you don't need to be drawn in. Just being centered keeps you in, kind of in the right place. What's the uh, What's your favorite line from uh, Under Siege? Uh, oh, there's so there, there's so many, but uh, uh, when the girl jumps out of the birthday cake and uh, Seagal looks at her like, "What the hell are you doing here?" You know, it was uh, kind of like uh, most of Obama's cabinet when they were when they were lined up. 
But, uh, but, but, you know, it, it, it was just uh, uh, when Tommy Lee began to completely flip out toward the end of the movie. And, uh, and, and Steven Seagal, I think my favorite line is, uh, <laughs> she says, you're no cook. He says, well, I also cook. Uh, it was uh, it's great fantasy stuff. I got to tell you, I just I love the guy. So, uh, uh, and it's amazing. The USS Missouri, the whole thing, just a lot of fun to watch. And there was nothing else to do around here that day. So, uh, uh, yeah. but Seagal yeah. is uh, is a great patriot as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, uh, congratulations to, to him. Absolutely, yeah, Thanks. good guy. I, I, I'll convey that to him. Um, but the Tom, line want... is, I'm just yeah. I'm, go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. No, go ahead, uh, no the, the line, the, the the line that 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 is, I always kid him about it is is, uh, is I'm just the cook. But but I'll just tell you very very quickly a very funny story. My my wife had never seen uh, Under Siege, so uh, what, this is when we were we were co-writing the book. Um, and so uh, we the last. Um, the, late at night, uh, right before we went to bed, we saw the movie. The last voice I heard was was Stevens in the movie. So we go to bed. Next morning, I'm up early. It's like six o'clock, and the, and the phone rang. I'm having coffee, and the phone rings, and it's Steven. And so he he said that he wanted to run a couple of. He always refers to it as scenes. He doesn't talk about chapters in the book. And uh, so he goes. He runs down his thing. It took about two minutes. So at the end of it. He asked me, what did I think? And I didn't respond. So uh, he said, uh, are, we, are you still on? I said, yeah. He said, well, why, why aren't you answering me? So I said, Stephen, we watched your movie last night, Under Siege. And I said, the last voice I heard was yours. This morning, I'm, I'm up. The first voice I'm hearing is yours. And I said, I, it's surreal. I feel like I'm in, I'm in the movie. <laughs> I'm talking to, to the character, you know. But he, and he said, he, and he said, yeah, I get that a lot, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So uh, yeah. You know, Casey Rybach, and uh, what a great character. He, yeah. he does have a great voice. That that voice he has is so intimidating, and it's such a perfect uh, for his role. I mean, he's just like the tough guy. Yeah. Hey, hey, how you doing? I, like, I, I love it. I love it. It like, gets me every time. It's yeah. the best. It's like so unique. Um, it's, and uh, I wanted to say, though, he was actually in town a few weeks ago uh, because I, I, was, yeah. I, was, I saw Joe a couple days before. Uh, he, Joe, Joe went to dinner with Seagal. Um, he said he was going to dinner with Seagal in a couple days um, after I saw him. So did you see Seagal while he was in town? Uh, actually, uh, no, I, I didn't see him. Uh, but what had happened was, uh, I'd arranged for him. Joe to and him with, went to that uh, nice Brazilian steakhouse in uh, Scottsdale. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah oh, wonderful. He, he likes he, he likes to go there. But uh, Stephen, and he's going to be back soon. But uh, I had arranged for him to to meet with some uh, tribal people, uh, and uh, he he had to leave suddenly because he had to go back to the UN. Uh, because he, he's, he's acting as an ambassador, and he had to go back and make a speech to uh, one of the bodies at the UN. And uh, so he, he had to leave two days Tell us about that, Tom. Tell us about his ambassador job at the UN. Tell us about that in detail. Well, he's, he uh, Putin, you see, uh, let me set the stage. Stephen's father was born in Russia, 
Stephen's mother is uh, was a, a Mohawk, uh, 100% Mohawk, and um, because his father uh, was Russian, he he had uh, he was entitled to a you know a dual citizenship. When the election was going on, uh, there was uh, so much friction between uh, Stephen and and the Clintons uh, historically that uh, they were worried that if if Hillary were to win that election, that would put Stephen in jeopardy. So uh, Putin said, you know, I'm going to give you dual citizenship and that'll protect you. So, um, and you know, he, he, Putin's a martial artist too. And so they, they have that in common. So um, it, that's what happened. So he gave him dual citizenship. And then he asked him to be an ambassador from Russia to uh, like to the UN and to, and to the United States on humanities yeah. and uh, just issues yeah. with humanities. So, uh, so there, there was a, a meeting at the UN that yeah. was about humanities. So they, so Stephen had to stop there on his way back uh, over to Asia and to Russia. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that, that's what that was about. You know? Yeah. And you know, I, I see, I see our pile frequently quite a bit and he always has great stories about Stephen, you know, Stephen and him, like all, all of you guys are very close, and which I think is really yeah. cool because if people that don't know, Joe forwarded the book you guys wrote. Yeah, yeah, he did. And um, it, he gets a big kick out of autographing copies of the book. Because <laughs> <He laughs> what, what I try to do is to get Stephen to autograph it and get Joe to autograph it. Then I usually, I'll do the dedications on, on the, whoever, you know, whoever gets the book. And uh, he get and what we've been doing with the book is we've been donating a copy, an autographed uh, book, you know, one that's autographed by all three of us um, to different uh, charities, and they do auctions, and and that book brings like two hundred, uh, two hundred, three hundred dollars at an auction. Uh, we've just had one for at the NRA, an NRA dinner, and it brought one hundred fifty dollars at that, and. Uh, so you know, having Stephen's signature on on a book it makes it a collector's item because he's never written a book before, you know. And hopefully, yeah. we're, we're we're doing a, a, we are doing a sequel, so that that'll. But right. this book, uh, Shadow Wolves, is is uh, qualifies for that. So I'm told. So I'm told. So. Yeah, and 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 for and Tom, your book it is quite something, and I'll tell you, you know, it basically, you know, predicts a lot of the future uh, in, in, in some of these chapters. I mean, it, it really uh, is almost like a fortune teller because you guys wrote these things before certain events happened and what, what happened, these right. events happened, let's, it, which is amazing. And from what I understand, you guys are going to make these into feature films eventually. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, the, the, the shadow wolves will be made into a feature film and then, uh, with, you know, doing the sequel, which, uh, I'm finishing a book now. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a comedy. It's about my parents' candy store, uh, <laughs> uh, ice cream shop in, in Red Hook, Brooklyn, and uh, it, it's about they, they had they had a group of people. This is around in the 70s, 1970s. But there, there was a group of neighborhood people, adults, who used to hang out in the store, and I used to call yeah. them the Men's Society. And I, I might have told you this before, but. Because they had a collective IQ no, of one, this is a new one member. 
Yes, no, it's called uh, it's called the Candy Store in Brooklyn, and uh, I'm getting ready. It's getting ready to publish uh, probably by the end of April. But uh, then we're going to start into uh, the the name of the of the uh, sequel to Shadow Worlds is going to be called the Conquering Cycle, and um, mm-hmm. and that that takes it into a whole new uh, a whole new area, you know. But uh, but uh, anyway, that's the plans, and and uh, trying to can write you, this stuff and be mayor of this town. Yeah, go ahead. Can you pinpoint the can you pinpoint the candy store plot? I, I was curious. I wanted to hear what it was about. Uh, well, it, it it's about um, a, a uh, see. I, I mixed generations uh, to to get the characters. They're real people, um, but um, it, it it's about a uh, a mafia don because the neighborhood I grew up in, the Gallo family, really ran the neighborhood. And you know, crazy Joe Gallo and all those people, and uh, yep. they they kept it the, they kept the neighborhood drug free and crime free, uh, but uh, they, it was pretty amazing. But um, so what, what I did was uh, the, the story is about uh, two two guys who develop a uh, an automatic opener for you know the Castro couches, you know the fold up couches and, and their thing. Um, in, in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, uh, most people didn't have enough bedrooms for uh, the, the people in the family. So they, they used uh, convertible couches, you know, for sleeping. So, um, and it was always a hassle to open them and close them. So in the book, we created this uh, two guys who invent a, an automatic opener and closer for the book, uh, for the uh, couches. And, and uh, the, the Mafia Don's son, is trying to steal the pattern from them, and um, the, and there's a, a character that the one of them is an undertaker, uh, and uh, who this is an actual person, and who was a jokester. He, he was always playing practical jokes on people, even at funerals, and uh, and he was from my parents' generation. And the guy who was from my generation, his name is Billy the Bird. Because he he raised homing pigeons, so everybody had a nickname in my neighborhood. So uh, yeah. anyway, <clears throat> what the story is about is mainly about the, that you know trying to steal the pattern from these guys. But there's a a, a, a bird, uh, there's a, a parrot that can mimic people's voices, and uh, and and the parrot figures in, into the story because of the funeral director and dead bodies and things. And the, and the people start thinking it's a ghost because they only hear is this ghostly voice of the parrot. So it, it so we, it plays through, throughout the story and, you know, people reacting to it and, and running out of, running out of the funeral hall they think it's haunted, you know, things like that. So, but that it's, it's, it, it's about, it's all about the neighborhood, my old neighborhood that I grew up in. And, um, Filled with with colorful people, and I uh, I'll just tell you you know one of the most important years ago there was a guy named Iron George Joe, and Iron George Joe used to used to be on TV late night TV all the time, and he could pull a bus, he'd, he'd have a, a rope attached to the front bumper of a bus, and he could pull the bus with his teeth, the rope in his mouth, um, and he, he used to be on with Steve Allen and with Jack Parr when. When he had the uh, you know the late night shows, now Iron Giorgio was born in Indiana. His his parents were from Sicily. They immigrated to Indiana when he was six years old. He he moved with his parents, of course, back back to Sicily. He grew up in Italy, 
and uh, the war breaks out, and he gets drafted into the Italian army. Now, he's an American citizen. He gets drafted into the Italian army. During the war, he gets captured by the American army. They find out that he's an American citizen, so they send him back to the United States to, uh, to act as an intelligence asset, and he's drafted into the American army. He is the only person in history who fought in opposing armies, uh, in both opposing armies, on uh, d- during uh, during the same war. So, wow! And uh, that was I heard George O. Intelleggi. Look him up. On the thing. He he was on the Groucho Marx show. You bet your life uh, as a contestant. And I mean, he he was really he was one of the men's society. But that's also in the book. You know, so. Hey Tom, did you? Tom, when you were when you were working, you know, you you were very involved with the New York Police Department uh, for many years. Um, did you ever well, come I, across John uh, Gotti? Yeah, yeah. John Gotti. Oh, Gotti, yeah, and, and uh, Sammy DeVoe. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I handled when I was in the Marshal Service. Uh, I, I was involved with Sammy DeVoe, uh, Gravano, uh, because he was in the witness protection program. And um, I, I interacted with him because I, I, I was the chief deputy for the federal district of Arizona. And uh, Sammy came in, was in custody for coming in and out of court and things like that. He was in the witness protection program, as I say. So I had a lot of interaction with him. But he, he came from a few neighborhoods over from me in, in uh, Brooklyn. He, he was from Bensonhurst. And uh, you, you know what he, what he did before he became a, a hit man? Is Sammy DeVoe? What? No, what he was, was a hairdresser. He he worked. In a, he was a hairdresser. Wow. Uh, he worked in. A, I never knew a salon. That. Yeah. Yeah. He was a hairdresser. And now, um, let, now and, let me ask and, you. Where, where were? Where, oh, yeah. oh, keep going. I love this. Keep going. I wanted to ask yeah. you about an incident that happened in the '80s, but keep going. Uh, no, but that uh, that was it. I mean, he, he was a hairdresser and. Uh, when we, we took him out, um, he, he, you know, he killed 10 people that we knew about. And uh, because he, he ratted on Gotti, um, he, he got, you know, pretty much, he got a short sentence and in a very uh, cushy uh, prison. But uh, I was with uh, the guy, uh, he, he worked for me, and I'm going to tell you some, some uh, interesting Hollywood stuff. The guy that was he's retired now, that was in charge uh, of the witness protection program in Arizona, um, his name is Jimmy, Colasa- Jimmy Colasanto. Uh, yeah. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy handled him, but because I was the chief deputy, I, you know, I, I could pretty well, I funded the witness protection. So uh, Jimmy would, would, you know, bring me around when, whenever he was, had Sam at the bowl, and of course we spoke the same language. Jimmy Colasanto... Yeah was the nephew of Nicholas Colasanto, who played coach on Cheers, the old Cheers wow. show, the bartender coach. Sure. Yeah. Wow. And so, I mean, small world, you know, it's small world stuff. But uh, it, it shows you, I mean, how, you know, integrated a lot of this stuff is. But uh, the Sammy the Bull was, was a character, boy, I tell you. He, not a big man. You know, he, he, was, he was not a tall man. He was muscled up. But he was, he was yeah. not a, a tall guy. But, uh, and nothing, you, you know, nothing intimidated, nothing yeah. intimidated him, though. I'll tell you. Nothing. No. Uh, no. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, you know. And I, I want to ask. I want to ask you. Yeah. In, the, in the '80s, when that when that big thing occurred, where uh, Gotti took out the uh, Paul Castellano to 
to become the, mm-hmm. the head of the Gambinos. Where were you at that time? Were you still in New York? Yeah, I was still in New York, and I, I was working upstate um, and at, at that point in time. So I, I came I came into the Marshal Service in New York City, actually in the Brooklyn office, Eastern District. And um, then uh, a couple of years, then I went up upstate to uh, Albany, and I, I worked out of the Albany office, upstate New York. And uh, that's when I, I was working with the security, um, and I was assisting the guy that was the inspector. So I was, I was a new deputy. And then uh, I, got, uh, I got into uh, fugitives, fugitive apprehension, and I started working all over the country. Like, uh, I, I, was, uh, I worked in Oakland. Uh, I was assigned to the Oakland Police Department for six months, uh, working their, their uh, vice squad. And... Uh, we, you know, uh, work on warrants, but the the reason why they put deputy marshals into local police departments and state police departments on, on task forces, you know, when we'd have these special operations, uh, was because once we, we, we were part of the unit, everybody in the unit had the same powers that we had, federal powers. There's a thing called posse comitatus that, that's in the Constitution. So that it, it gave uh, gave the police departments an added dimension while we were there. So I, I worked in Oakland. I, I worked Metro Dade in Miami. Uh, I worked in Virgin Islands. Uh, I worked uh, uh, I worked in Singapore. I mean, I, we worked DEA fugitive warrants, and I worked in Mexico yeah. too. Um, you wow. And that, yeah. But uh, the you know the thing uh, that, that was so good about it was. I thought I should have paid the marshal service for letting me work. It was, there was never a day that I didn't look forward to going to work when I, I was in the uh, marshal service. It was the greatest job you could imagine. I mean, it was it, because the marshal service was established with the Constitution. So <clears throat> the marshal service had jurisdiction over and law enforcement over, over every law passed in this country yes. since then. Yeah. So much broader jurisdiction than the FBI, which drives them nuts, you know. But uh, right. but it, it, it we're the, we're, the, we're the first law enforcement agency in the country. The second, well, uh, the postal inspectors, because the, 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 the post office was established, you know, with the Constitution as well. But um, but it, it, it's, it's it's a little known fact now. Um, in September, we're, we're, they are opening the U.S. Marshals Museum in Fort Smith, Arkansas. So we're all going there for the for the opening of the museum, and uh, they're opening it there because that is where a lot of marshals rode out into the Oklahoma Territory when they settled in the West, and that's where most of the marshals got killed. You know, in, during our, our history was was then. So they uh, they built the you know the thing that's being built. It's not done yet, but we're going to have a big deal, uh, a celebration in yeah. September. And Rory, right. I'll, I'll bring I, you up to date on that as it goes. You know, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love that. Um, yeah. We have a we have a few minutes left, uh, and I want to I want to talk to you about a few things. First and foremost, sure. you know, you're you're a big fan of the president. Um, you know, uh, you and our pile, our pile, and I constantly, you know, talk how how happy we are with Trump and how much we we love him and how much he's the greatest. And I know you love him a lot. And uh, you bet. What, what do you? I mean, and I'll tell you, I want to say something, and I've said this before. I haven't said it in a long time, 
But the closest thing in existence, personality-wise, toughness, agenda, and don't forget they have the same birthday, but Arpaio and Trump are like the exact same. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, it's like our, Arpaio was Trump before Trump came along. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Joe has been saying uh, the same thing about illegal immigration and the border and, and all that stuff, uh, you know, when Donald picked it up, you know, and, and ran with it. And uh, well, he, and he feels the same way. You know, I, they, 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 they're like cut from the same cloth, the two of them. They love each other. And, uh, yeah. and he, uh, Joe has total access to the president, you know. Every once in a while, you can call him, you know, which is – Pretty amazing, you know. But uh, they're, they're the same. You know, you know what they are. To both of them, they have true grit. True grit is the, you know yeah. the old John Wayne movie. True grit. That's what they got. They have integrity. They they are they are patriots. Uh, they love our country, and they're not afraid to say it, and they're not afraid to do what needs to be done. You know, for the country. Right. And uh, they're they're they they these men are, are are rare. They really are rare. And they are they're, they're rare. They're rare breed. commodities. You know, you don't yes, see these type, type of people. I mean, this is like a rare occurrence to see. You know, uh, people like this. I mean, it, there's so many corrupt people in politics. It's hard to find. You know. Mm-hmm. You bet. You bet. Yeah. And uh, and the thing is, they, they lack spine. Um, the thing to, to, to remember, in the Republican Party, the Republican Party is two parties. It's the establishment and, and the grassroots. I, I believe everybody listening to the show, and I know it's true of you, Rory, you're part of the grassroots. Um, right. and the, the establishment, there's not a dime's worth of difference between the Republican establishment and the Democrats. None. Yeah. yeah. And, and And the thing is, but there's a coalition of people that support Donald Trump. It's separate from from the establishment of the party. But the independents fall in, in line with, with that and certainly the grassroots. And, and that's how we're going to get Donald Trump reelected and not rely on the party. I don't trust the party, the establishment what, what of the party. Are your, what, are your thoughts, what are your thoughts on the national emergency? Yeah. Uh, I, I, we have a national emergency. You know, we're here in Arizona. I mean, look at what's going on. Uh, you know, we, we, you have an influx of drugs. You have an influx of people. They're, they're overwhelming the, the border. They're, they're just piling into this country. And, and the establishment, they, they love it. Deep state, they love it. They're letting them come in. And, and what they're doing is destroying the fabric of our country. And I'll tell you something. We, I believe... Just my belief, but from what I'm hearing and watching, I'm seeing we're on the verge of civil war here. I mean, there, we are at the threshold of that. There's so much division and so much hatred between two the two factions in our country that it, 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 it's going to start. We've already the war has begun, but the shooting part of it hasn't. But I'm telling you, it's coming. And and I've said this before on this show. You know, it's coming. You know, and and I know you, I know you have to go here in a second, but before you go, yeah. uh, most the the most important thing I wanted to ask you: How is it being mayor? Please elaborate. Give us detail. What you've only, you've been in there uh, three months now? Yeah, three months. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I'm loving it because um, I'm I'm kind of a change agent, you know, and 
Um, I, we, we have a big drug problem in this town, small town. We've got a big drug problem. Uh, we have a, a major homeless crisis. We, we have veterans, veterans living in, in the woods in the winter, in the cold, in tents. We have kids that, that are uh, what they call them couch, couch surfing. They're going, families are going from house to house staying, you know, a week at a time or whatever they can, um, trying to go to school. And, I mean, they, we, we have a tremendous homeless problem. A lot of this stuff is caused by addiction. It starts with that. And there's mental illness that, that plays into it. And I'm sure Dr. Branch knows exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, it's not being addressed. So what I what I'm doing now is I'm I'm trying to to make to address it and to start putting some things in place that uh, that we will help us to deal with it and it means bringing in a lot of assets. Luckily, when when I was chairman of the party, I I got to know a lot of people that are now in office and and they're about they're starting to help out with a lot of things that that we're trying to do. Uh, we, I'm, I'm trying to get our firefighters parity paid. They're not being paid properly. Their equipment is, is, is not up to snuff, so we're, we're working on that. I'm trying to get the police department, same thing, pay parity. And, you know, a fireman's job here is no different than in, in Chicago or, or New York. Same with the police. And, and uh, they're our first responders, so that, that's a challenge. I'm doing that working on the homeless, and we're trying to bring a redundant internet. We have internet, but keeps going down. We're trying to solve that problem, too. Uh, we have uh, our greatest threat is a fire. Like you look at California, paradise, we are sitting in pretty much the same situation. So we're, we're trying to do what's called firewise to create a buffer between the forest and the town so that we, we don't suffer the same consequence. So those are the challenges and the things that uh, I'm facing right now. And uh, got a lot of great people working with me. A lot of people have volunteered. We formed uh, committees, uh, ad hoc committees, and uh, they're working and helping helping me get things done. And uh, we're going at it, you know. And uh, we'll I'm not going to get everything done, but I'm sure as I'll going to get some of it done. And and uh, and I'll see see if I get another term and I'll do the rest. But well, well, I, I love, I love it. Um, you know, I before you go, I want to see if anybody has any questions. But the last thing I want to ask you, because I know you got to go, um, how is the econ- uh, how is Payson economically? Uh, Payson is is uh, is in transition. Uh, we it's what well, we get this uh, redundant internet with with a more robust. Uh, uh, you know, band. You know, we, we'll be able to bring in light industry like call centers, data centers. We've even got a, um, a, a satellite of uh, ASU about to to come in here. Uh, so it'll change. It'll bring in uh, higher paying jobs. Right now, we have a lot of fast food restaurants, and we have some some light manufacturing, which which is how it w- will have to be. But we are poised at, at a point where, where we can make dramatic changes and, and, and bring in, as I say, you know, a, a university. Um, and also I'm, I'm trying to get a trade school open here where we can have welders, electricians, carpenters. And, and uh, doing that, which we, are, uh, we're, we have an effort to bring vocational training back to the high school where we have the old concept of shop where, you know, kids learn the basics in plumbing and things, and then they go on to a two-year degree 
and and, and learn the trades. And that's really what we need. We we have a lot of people running around with degrees uh, that 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 can't turn a screw, you know. And right, we, we we need to get more back into the trades. I'm one of them, you know. But uh, but but. But the, so the thing is, 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 is we we got to think outside the box. Uh, until now, everything has been like everybody's playing checkers. They make one move and that's it. And in the end, we got to start playing chess. We, we look at not one move but three moves, and and because of the consequences of of, of some of the things that we're trying to do, uh, they can be good, they can be bad, but we need to know what they are, you know. So and that's what I'm trying to bring to the table here. So. I'm, I'm driving, well said, I'm driving people crazy doing it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Very Go well ahead. Said it. I've got a question. Yeah, for, I know uh, people have. For, I know people have yeah, questions. Right. I want Tom. I want to confirm this real quick, and then a few people have questions. But correct me if I'm wrong. We talked about one time how your a chapter in your book predicted the Las Vegas shooting in a, in a sense. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. It is. It's in the epilogue of the book. Uh, it's exactly <laughs> in the epilogue. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. And uh, so before and we, it even happened, yeah, yeah, we we wrote that into the book a year before it happened. Yeah. Oh yeah, wow. oh, you, you can see <clears throat> you can see you can see the date of, of the publishing of the book, and then you look at the at the massacre, you see when it happened, and you know it takes four months to get a book up and ready for publishing. So it, it precedes the date uh, by four months, you know, but uh, I, I know I, I got a question, but I, I really have to bail. I, I really have to okay. go. And uh, I can, I, I can okay. answer one question quick. And then, then I, have to uh, go. I got a question. Rory, I got to ask this ahead, question. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Uh, Antonin Scalia was assassinated a couple of years ago down in West Texas. That's my opinion. Okay. Uh, strangely, uh, absent from his protection was the United States Marshal that traveled with him everywhere he went, but was not on this particular trip. Do you have any insights into why that happened and what the results of that were? Well, the the protection details can, can only and I I, I protected uh, three justices and Justice Thomas is one of them uh, during my career. And uh, if, if the if the justice wants protection. You, you stay with them or her. If the justice doesn't, you don't. It, it's completely at their discretion. So somebody waved, uh, waved his, uh, and it, it's usually two, two deputies uh, that, that are with justice, not just one. So, so somebody waved uh, that person off of that detail. Uh, and but he did I don't think uh, usually travel with, a, with, a, with, with, with yeah, that kind yeah. of protection and, uh, and some of the uh, circumstances surrounding the murder, the, the you know the crime scene or the death scene, whatever, lent themselves to the conclusion that. Um, the, and then of course you know you had them embalming the guy before they could even get him out of town. Uh, That's right. With the That's Obama right. Justice of the Peace down there. Uh, That's right. I just that has right. Always, it drives me crazy. I, I just wonder what your take on it was, but um, no, maybe it was. That, that was my. I don't know. No, I think you're right on the money, and I'm not a conspiracist, you know, but I think you're right on the money. But anyway, it's been nice chatting with you all. I hope to do this again. In yeah, the not too please future. tell everybody where they can get your book. Uh, Amazon, uh, it's, it's in the uh, – uh, you can get it in Barnes & Noble stores, but I, I recommend uh, Amazon. 
Just go on Amazon. It's the fastest, cleanest way hey, to do hey, it. Hey, Tom, you Tom can you take a 10-second yeah. question from Josh before you go? 10 seconds? Yeah, yeah, yes. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I just want to ask really, really quickly what the biggest problem that you're having as pushback as mayor from people in your town. Uh, the, the fact that uh, I'm, I'm not going along with, uh, with the establishment, with the way it's always been done. I'm asking questions, uh, that, and if I don't like the answer, uh, I'm asking more questions until I get the proper answer. Um, and we are in the process of changing the town code so that my position has more weight. Uh, the town manager, it really, it's based on the town management system where the town manager runs everything. Well, that, that doesn't fly with me or with people on the council with me. So we, we're changing the code. But the thing, it's a good old boy thing, which you have, you know, just about everywhere. And, um, and you know, I'm not pointing fingers or laying blame on, on, on anybody in particular. It's the way things have, have always been done. And, and, uh, and it's, it's very hard to change that, but we're changing it. Because I, I can't function in, a, in an environment where I'm, I'm sitting in a corner nodding my head, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm not a figurehead type of guy. So uh, what we're doing is, is, is making the changes. But that's the biggest challenge. But every day uh, it, it, we're making progress on it. So uh, next time we talk. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, guys. We always appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, take care. you on. You're a good friend of the show, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. You you bet. God bless you all. Take care. Bye, Tom. God bless, Tom. (laughs) We are going to go to commercial. We'll be right back, everybody. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. All righty, we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide. And if anybody misses the show, as always, you can see us on 60 online platforms. Again, that's 60 online platforms. You can also visit the next NEX Gen genusa.com for any past interviews or past shows that you may have missed. And uh, don't forget, everybody, we are listened to in 22 different countries, which is fantastic. 
but let's get to it. I uh, am upset about a few things. I am totally uh, appalled at the Democrats' behavior with Omar. You know, can you imagine if a Republican was throwing out anti-Semitic remarks? They, the Democrats would be haunting them every second, following them. The media wouldn't stop talking about it. Oh, my God, the double standard. I say on – I think I've used the term double standard on every one of my shows because I'm tired of the bullshit. I'm tired of it. Why can't Republicans, at least, you know, some of them, have a goddamn backbone? Why don't they stand up to these fools, these clowns? I mean, this is ridiculous, man. Like, Omar clearly means what she says, she, you know, but Nancy Pelosi kind of wants to fabricate it and twist it and say, oh, she didn't really mean any anti-Semitism by it. Bullshit, Nancy. Your face, oh, God. You, you don't, oh, my God. She, she, she moves her face really weird. Like, her plastic surgery, something's wrong with her. I don't know what's wrong with her. And she always seems like she's on pills. She's always tweaking. Uh, but, um, Jesus, Clint, what do you think about all this, man? Well, thank you. <laughs> By the way, I really enjoyed your last guest, uh, and I wasn't making that up. It was yeah. a, kind of a, a uh, snowed in weekend here, and we had Steven Seagal uh, uh, movie specials on. So I was uh, I was watching him destroy the bad guys, which I don't know why I get such a kick <laughs> out of that. I wish that could be the case in real life. Um, yeah, I, I, I was talking. I was talking with a good friend of mine, a uh, successful business guy in in uh, Newport Beach, longtime partner of mine, and uh, he just gotten back of a trip from all over the world, including down in South America, <clears throat> where he talked about the complete breakdown in uh, Venezuela and Argentina, and really the only country down there that's doing very well in his view is uh, Chile, maybe a couple of other smaller ones, but. Uh, he talked about everywhere he went in the world, he saw the uh, the Islamic threat and the, the way they conduct business. And his exact quote was, they ain't taking any prisoners, okay? And I, I, I think that we uh, have been dragging our feet on this for well over 20 years. Um, we don't have people back there that have the courage to stand up to it or they're being paid off not to. But you're absolutely right. The uh, the utterances of this ignoramus, this nincompoop, uh, go unchallenged. And uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I cannot believe that the Jewish people in this country are going to continue to vote for Chuck Schumer and company uh, when uh, a major element of their party is uh, talking openly about destroying the Jewish people again. Well, and you, you know what else blows my mind is that, you know, you were, you were talking about South America and Central America. You know, researchers did a poll, and it's, it said that 103,000 migrant women will be sexually assaulted on their way to the U.S. this year. Yeah. Again, that's, again, yep. that's 103,000. Well, almost all. Where are the Democrats? Why are the Democrats no, bringing that? I, I had my I had an expert on the show last week talking about that, and uh, it's it really. Uh, some people think it's an even higher total than that, and that uh, most of the young women who start out in Central America, wherever they're coming from, will be assaulted. Their parents know they'll be assaulted. They give them pregnancy drugs and other apparatus yep. to try to yep. keep them from becoming pregnant on their way here. Uh, it's a complete, 
you know, I mean, it's it's just hard to believe. And as somebody's traveled a lot in my in my time over the last forty years, I really cannot believe this country has come to a place where we're not interested in defending our own self interest anymore. We apparently don't believe enough in what we're doing that it's worth preserving in our own minds, or we'd have that wall built by now. And uh, we're sticking around, dicking around, trying to figure out what to call it. It's a wall. It's a barrier. It's an impediment. Uh, It's whatever we need to defend this country. And, uh, you know, Bill Stalin died 66 years ago yesterday, and uh, he believed in walls. And uh, they seemed to work for uh, the Soviets for many, many years. So, as they have for the Red Chinese and others around the world. But for some reason, our uh, our Congress uh, and people like Pelosi um, yeah. say they won't work. And it's ju- that's just a crock of, uh, uh, of uh, fictionous, uh, fictional uh, crap is what it amounts to. It's just simply not true. So the people that make me mad are, and I don't know where McConnell stands on this, but uh, we know where the where the dumos are on it, but it's the Republicans and the and the um, traditional or the, the what you might call the establishment part of the party that are doing such damage to Donald Trump and, and damage to the American people. And it's it's really hard to first of all understand, and second of all, to, to stomach. What I'd be interested what the rest of the panel uh, thinks about that, uh, Roy. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get their feedback. I want to say quickly though that. Uh, it is estimated that about 500 to 750,000 illegals will be coming across the border, uh, I believe, by the end of the year. Or maybe, maybe that, yeah, I think it is by the end of the year. But it's just ridiculous. It, you know, in the next five years, they're expecting millions and millions unless we put a stop to it. I, uh, you know, this is, this is scary stuff. This is really scary stuff because you look at all the people that are trespassing. We just saw on the Arizona border there was a huge caravans and caravans, thousands of illegals just coming in. And how often do we read about somebody getting raped, somebody getting killed, somebody getting somewhat assaulted? It happens on a daily basis, and it's with illegal aliens. It's not about being racist. It's not about being hateful. The left needs to take that shit out of their ass. Excuse my French. It's not about that. It's about following the law and, have, and, and doing things in an American way. You know, it's disgraceful that second-class citizens get first priority before we do. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. You know, Cl- Cliff is absolutely right. I mean, this is outrageous. I don't know if you've seen the testimony yesterday at Homeland Security and, and talking about the issues at the border wall and the border security and, and we New York Times at, had to backtrack. New York Times did a fake fact check that there's no crisis. Then recently, last week, about a month later after they said that, there's a huge border crisis. So they had to tell that it's crazy. It was all over Breitbart. But go, sorry, go ahead. A huge border crisis. We live here. I live here in Arizona. A huge border crisis. Every girl yeah. that steps across that border that's 10 years or older is given a pregnancy test. 10 years are older, a pregnancy test. Why? Because they are being raped. They are being raped to come up here. There has to be a deterrent. Fentanyl, it was reported that last year seized, the seized amount was enough to kill every man, woman, and child twice in the United States. And that was just the seized amount, not the amount that got across the border. 
That is outrageous. And today, when you had this sham vote on this hate resolution, because it was just a sham, two of our Republican congressmen from Arizona voted for it. And it's like Paul Gosart and and Andy Biggs stood up and said no. We want sanctions against Omar. That's what this is all about. This isn't a cover-up. This is sanctions against Omar. That's what it should be. But you had, you know, Schweikert and Lesko today vote for it. And to me, where is the backbone? Why aren't we standing up? We have to stand up. We have to build the wall. The people voted to build the wall because Trump ran on building the wall. We voted for Trump. Build the darn wall. I don't understand where even the conversation is. And when Pelosi goes around and she says, and she says, well, this is just a campaign promise. Well, imagine that. A president actually living up the campaign promises. Good. That's what we voted for him for. And to me, it's just outrageous, Rory. It's outrageous. We have to build the wall. We have to stop this. It is a border crisis. And I'm glad that they walked it back because it is. And listening to yesterday's testimony was just – it it was alarming. And what was alarming is when you had a rice look at at the the secretary and say, well, you either don't know what you're talking about or you're lying. Is that what we're coming to? Every every cabinet member that we put before Congress, they call liars now. The the fact that we – the fact that we even have to have this conversation – the fact that this is even uh, a topic to negotiate on is disgraceful, and it's absolutely uh, scary. I mean, anybody should be scared for their own life because you don't know when you're going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, at the wrong time, and some illegal is going to go nuts. We've seen it happen on a weekly basis, sometimes multiple times a week, and you know, people want to say, "Oh, they come here for a better life." I'm not denying that. I'd say most of them do, but you still got that 30% that come in here and cause lots of havoc and bad crimes, which is not okay. So we need to put a, address that, but we know the Democrats, the only reason they want them here is because of the votes. They want their votes. And, and what, what kills me is what you're describing for a better life, that's capitalism. They're coming here for freedom and opportunity. Why? Because we are the mecca of capitalism in the world. If you come to the United States, you can succeed, you can fail. It's all up to you. However, nobody comes here for diversity and inclusion. That's what the Democrats are running on, all this socialism, all of this kumbaya stuff and free stuff. Nobody's coming here for that. People want to come here for freedom and opportunity. And we right. have to make it that way. People have to come here illegally. That's what we want. I mean, I'm not against immigration. I just want legal immigration. Yes. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, and, and that's the thing. Uh, Josh, go ahead. You know, and, and in regards to legal immigration, I mean, every single country, for the most part, in the whole entire world, wants legal immigration. You know, this isn't some sort of Taboo uh, subject or backwards way. Josh, I want to cu- I want to chime in real quick. I want to chime in for, for a it. second and just say, um, I want you to finish, but I want to say something. And I was going to mention this real quick, but um, the whole scenario 
that our society, just the, the way our society is transformed into this entitlement where people can run across the border and basically get special treatment, a lot of times better treatment than American citizen, and you have these people that are waiting in line on the other side that are trying to do it the right way. So it's just a big slap in the face, and the way people enable illegals on the left uh, should be aggravating to any American. But continue, Josh, sorry. Well, Rory, to your point, I mean, it's already bad enough with the level of entitlement that U.S. citizens have that were born here, let alone we have people that were not born here that also feel like they're entitled to the same sort of things. So, you know, the way that our, our, our country is fluctuating with the entitled, these entitlement programs ha- has been extremely flawed, not only to illegals, but also to the people, you know, that are, that are here now. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Clint, go ahead. Well, no, I think if you take polls, and they've done this recently, and they poll Hispanic Americans and others in this country that have come in legally or have come in in the last 30 years, they're ready to see the border uh, controlled as well. So this isn't simply uh, uh, a group of people that all got together and voted for Donald Trump, the kind of the, uh, the blue-collar Donald Trump uh, uh, voting class, the 75 million of us who, uh, who saw the, the survival of the country as the um, – as the outcome of this one way or the other. After I saw Hillary Clinton give another one of her black speeches on a Baptist church in Selma, Alabama the other day, and, and uh, she's still trying to figure out who lost the presidential election, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, the, the campaign is on. I mean, Bernie Sanders is across the river here in Council Bluffs, Iowa, with 25,000 people cheering him on uh, tonight on a on a night when it's 10 degrees outside, he's got 25,000 people over there. And if you listen to the comments they make coming in and out of that arena, it's the, the, the ignorance level of people is the cause effect of, of uh, you know, how people generate income, how, how goods and services and education and everything else gets generated in society. It's just amazing. I mean, these people really have just kind of grown up and say, well, it's my turn. Uh, something for nothing, and it's not all just a bunch of uh, people you might, uh, you know, believe came from, freak, you know, recently from a foreign country. Uh, these are a lot of yeah. wet, uh, fat white guys with beards talking about this stuff, and I, I'm I'm appalled by it, quite frankly. I, I'm not so sure the worm hasn't turned, and uh, we've got to do. We've had twenty five thousand Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Dennis Prager, and I don't know how many other uh, radio cast podcast. Uh, YouTube cast, you and I were talking about YouTube this afternoon, how that's being censored now. Uh, after after 30 years of that and after all the talking is through, we're still with the same results we've had for the last 30 years. And we can sit here tonight and talk about this, and everybody on here is absolutely right. But the question is, is how does that get translated to these morons on Capitol Hill Really, are not morons. They're very smart people. They want to keep the system in place. You have that woman. They from just Arizona, know what their chief are going to fighter be. pilot who was uh, who claims she was raped now, and uh, McSally, I believe, is her name. Your, your interim senator down there, and uh, I mean, look at the joke that that has become, and the people questioning her about that. Um, it's it's uh, you know it's a very very um, non integrity based. 
uh, information culture in this country now, and it's going to bring us down. And it's time to we got to quit talking and do more than talk. And I'm not sure what that is. I just know it had better start, and then it better start soon. And as somebody mentioned earlier, they think that we might be on the verge of a civil war. My take is that we've been in a civil war since January of 2009 when Barack Obama took office. Whether we've realized we're in a civil war or not, he was in one when he took, when he took the office, and I think that's where we are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I want to go to a quick 20-second commercial, and we got a lot more to talk about. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. All righty, we are back. Um, so much to get into. I want to... Um, I want to play um, a clip here in a second, but I, uh, you know, what, what's really bothering me right now, and I'll tell you, is um, Britain uh, is opening their first transgender prison, and Britain is, you know, people that know Britain, they, I'm sure people are aware, it's been overtaken by radical Muslims, lots of immigrants, um, and lots of feminists have kind of taken over their culture as well. So you have all these leftist, angry terrorist organizations. And now, since, you know, they want to be so politically correct over there, now they have chicks with dicks tranny prisons. I mean, this is absolutely insane. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to think about this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm at a crossroads. I'm kind of lost. Uh, Clint, I'll let you start, man. I'm sure you have some, some opinions. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I only have the opinion of the benefit of my experience over the last 40 years of, uh, of traveling over there on business and other reasons and watching the degradation of that culture just systematically break down, particularly in and around uh, London, which is, uh, uh, it really is a uh, Sharia state in many places, just like Paris has become. Um, and, and you really, there, there are no-go zones, and the Bobbies and everybody else uh, observe those things. Uh, we've had horrific examples of uh, murders of British military and police people over there in broad daylight. Uh, we've got more mosques in the city of, uh, of London than we have churches. And uh, we've had really a, a, a back down of, uh, of uh, the Christian, Judeo-Christian culture uh, in the world and in Western Europe. And right now, the, finally, the, the Brits are starting to say, hey, we, we're saturated. We can't take anymore. And they're starting to fight back, and now they find out they can't even fix their own mechanisms under which these people are flowing into the country. And it's a real crisis for them. We're not that far away from it, and we have much greater border exposure than the Brits have, if you really want to get right down to it. So uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I could care less really about my own life. I've had it. But uh, I look at my sons and daughters and, and grandchildren, and we are not getting the job done for these people. We are not leaving them a world that is tolerable 
the is we ought, we need to start saying exactly what it is. I carry a gun now. I've been threatened. Uh, the Muslims are out to take over. You're you know. Let's start calling it what it is. Okay. We now have five or six of them in the Congress. We've got another couple hundred across all forms of civic, uh, state, social, and regional governments in this country. They are not compromising one iota on anything. Compromise is not part of their vocabulary. And until we realize that that's what we're up against, there's no grievance that can be talked out with these people, okay, we are going to be faced with this. And so you've got 435 members on Capitol Hill of the House of Representatives. I don't know what it is. Is it 235 or 240 Democrats, um, many of whom have been there for many years, yet, um, you know, not even Nancy Pelosi is controlling the conversation out of there. Okay, she's made this big political comeback. Who are the two women, okay, who have dominated the political dialogue on the left from the House of Representatives in the last two weeks? That's a pretty easy one, isn't it? It's at uh, Rugby. Yeah, you got AOC and you've got, uh, uh, I don't remember if she's Minnesota or, 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 uh, or Michigan, but Minnesota, not that far from where I'm at, has always been a political experimentation place. Any place that's had, it's you know, uh, Jesse Ventura as governor. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, and, and, and some of these things are are historical. I mean, Henry Ford brought thousands of uh, Middle Eastern people over to work in the auto plants in the 20s and 30s, uh, so that's been ongoing for a long time. But we're there are going to be winners and losers in this. This is not going to be. It's like the, the Civil War. I mean, had we not prevailed in that conflict, uh, you might argue that we'd have some. Uh, legalized form of of slavery in this country today. Okay, I don't know. You know, after 120, 30 years later, what what would have evolved from that? But the winner of this will win. And I, and I have a number of people that are family members of mine. They've worked uh, very educated uh, all over Europe, and they've all been posted in, in Paris. Um, the last one uh, couldn't wait to get out of there. Left the OECD and went to the World Bank in Washington. Because he now has two little kids, and he does not want his children raised in what he calls Parisistan. Okay, that's where it is, and it isn't coming back, and it isn't getting better. And so, the longer we dally on this, if it wasn't for Donald Trump, I don't know that we'd even really be pursuing this as seriously as we are. Okay, yeah. Pelosi thinks that it was just a campaign promise he made because. That's the level of thinking that she and other politicians bring to the bring to the effort. He's not bringing a campaign promise. He says, "I want to build this building. I want to build this wall." It's not a theory in my yep. mind. It's a deal. Yep. Let's go make it. You know, you know what bothers me. You know what really bothers me, Clint, is that we have to talk about tran- trannies, but they make up less than one percent of the population. But yet all these people give them the victim card and all this attention and act like their voice matters so much because they're a big minority. I mean, this is ridiculous because these are the same type of people that believe in 50 different genders. I mean, this is, I mean we're living in a time that is totally screwing up our youth. Oh, chicks with dicks. I, I, that, I'd never heard that one before. I mean, that's uh, – It's true, though. Dude, lady boy. 
we can't even decide where to go to the restroom. I mean, it's it's uh, this is a society that's trending very much in the wrong direction. And uh, and you know, the only thing that's going to step in and solve this, I mean, this is a evangelical moment for me, is uh, reliance on a higher power that that brought yes. us to this continent to begin with. And uh, we're yes. not going to solve these problems on our own. I mean, Mitch McConnell's not the answer to anything. Uh, and no offense to him, I think he's a nice enough guy, but, uh, you know, he's done a good job with those two Supreme Court nominations, but that's about it. So, you know, the green agenda, what the hell is the green agenda? Go ahead, Clint. Now we've got this green bill out there, and what in the world, that's just a wealth distribution system. Uh, The whole climate change thing is crap, okay? I mean, I've had 25 different people on my show over the last five or six years that have really done the homework on that. And they universally say, and unanimously say it's a scam. And that Gore's big deal is he is the, the PT Barnum of climate change. And yep. uh, so, you know, I mean, uh, we're, here we are, we're, we're facing a global threat from an enemy that's not going to back off. You know, we've got, in addition to that, we've got the Chinese that are making major moves in the South China Sea. We've got Putin on the march. And all these idiots in Washington can talk about is uh, uh, climate change and, uh, you know, I mean, the other dumb, you know, who who pees in what pot? I mean, talk about, uh, you know, uh, fiddling while Rome burns. I mean, isn't that exactly, gentlemen, where we are? And and don't forget, don't forget the fact that it, it was announced today on an article that the, the Greenpeace founder, which is a, a very big scientific research place, right. has, said, right. has said that the glo- global warming hoax is pushed by corrupt scientists because we all know these scientists get paid by the government as long as they go along with the, I call it the New World Order, the global warming hoax, which is absolutely insane. And let's not forget, Democrats say they believe in fucking science, right? Well, if they believed in science, then they wouldn't think there's 50 different genders. You can't believe in science and love climate change, but think there's 50 different genders. Sorry, not how it works. Uh, these people are ridiculous, and it, everything I can co- – they, they contradict what they say they stand for. It's absurd. Yeah, I don't think there's more than six different genders last time I looked. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you know uh, it's, it's confusing, you know. Uh, we play the old kink song Lola during some of our timeouts on the radio show, and that came out in like '67 or '68, and it's about a transgender individual in London's bar scene. <laughs> in those days, it was it, it, you know, you know, you know, Lola by the Kinks, uh, and uh, in those days, it was a farcical kind of a satire. And uh, today, it's it's reality, and uh, how far we have fallen, and. You know, we we don't put up any roadblocks anywhere. There are no boundaries, and uh, it's what everybody wants to do. But the thing that tells you exactly how how warped the whole thing is are these anti-Semitical observations and and comments that are flat out made by these people in Congress. This is a this is a travesty. This is a an outrage. And you know, I want to Dr. Branch go ahead. I want to get Dr. Branch's thoughts, but. Clint, don't forget that Al Gore was telling people 10 years ago, don't buy oceanfront property. It'll be underwater within a few years. 
Yeah, right, yeah. dipshit. The opposite happened, pal. And you know, you know, somebody made a great point. You know how global warming is a complete phony hoax? Is because if it was really true, banks would not loan on waterfront property where global warming was a big threat. You know, but they're still loaning like crazy. That's how you know. That's how you know. Um, Dr. Branch, go yeah. ahead. You know, I'm going on what, what Clint was saying, though, too, as far as what's happening in Congress. You know, it, it, you look at Omar, and, and, and uh, she is from Minnesota. We, we look the, at – The Muslim capital of the United States. Well, when we look at um, the news and we see this one person, we look at it as one person. But that one person got 270,000 votes, beat the Republican by four to one. That is an alarm. That's the canary in the coal mine that we have to look at. And she is now, if you look underneath the Democrat caucus, the largest caucus under that is the Congressional Progressive Caucus. There's 96 members. Pelosi. Don't forget. Uh, don't forget about. Yes. Don't forget before you continue. Don't forget about Keith Ellison was the Muslim boss in that in the Minnesota area. They had a bunch of other Muslim politicians. So it's like you know how crooked Keith Ellison is. So I think and Keith Keith Ellison helped to recruit Omar. So that's just insane. That that is insane. And if you look at that congressional caucus, the Progressive Caucus. Everybody that we're talking about, the AOCs of the world, the Bernie Sanders and and Nancy Pelosi, they're under that caucus. Omar, freshman Congressman Omar, is the whip. How does that happen? So, you know, as soon as she's declared to have, you know, as soon as she makes all these anti-Semitic comments, then follows it up with another anti-Semitic comment, then followed by another one, and Pelosi today – Pelosi, if if this was if there was some honest news media's out there, they would have reported Pelosi this way. Pelosi basically said that Omar is too ignorant, too embedded with anti-Semitism to even know her comments are hurtful. That's exactly what she said today when she said, "Well, I don't think that she knew that her words were that strong of a meaning," and it's just like. We have a freshman that's, congressman that's embedded in anti-Semitism, and everybody on the progressive Democrats are going along with this. And to me, that Cliff, that has to be an alarm. We have to that and, has and to let's be face, ringing. And let's face the facts: they don't want to offend Muslims. That's why they're not speaking out about it. But that's what happened. That's exactly what Clint said because I, I travel over to Europe as well, and that's what happened. In many places, including London, that has happened. They don't want to offend. Then all of a sudden, Sharia takes over, and they can't do a darn thing about it. That's an alarm that has to be going off in our country. If we want our republic, if we want our U.S. Constitution, we have to seriously – we have to take Omar serious. We have to take the AOC serious. We can't just blow it off like Geraldo did yesterday – Oh, oh, OAC is just passionate. No, she's I not. couldn't believe that. I, I, I couldn't believe well, it either. He's a horse's ass. He's the same guy that was looking for uh, 
Al Capone's uh, <laughs> bathtub gin, wasn't he? I, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, so much of the news hey, media is so didn't, hey, Cliff, didn't he bang out, didn't Geraldo, didn't Geraldo bang out the Canada's prime minister's wife or something long ago? Well, he was very close to Pierre Trudeau's wife, and she's, of course, the mother of Canada's prime minister today. Uh, so what goes around comes around. Uh, but, uh, you know, so to speak, but, but, uh, no, we need, we need crazy. You know, I, uh, as I'm sitting here, I'm sitting in my study and, uh, I've got the sound turned off on the TV and I'm, I watched all the, the news shows with closed caption as I was listening to you guys. And I finally come to a channel that's real. And it's about a bunch of guys in Louisiana that are out killing alligators in the swamp. I mean, they're the only, it's called swamp people. And they're the only ones on television that are actually doing anything. Okay, <laughs> I love this show, and I, you know, and I got nothing against alligators, but but you know, it's it's, uh, you know, I'm tired of hearing Sean Hannity get up the same night, the same pitch, and I'm not trying to be critical <laughs> of him, you know, and and you've got uh, Morning Joe and his wife Mika Muska Mouska Brzezinski. <laughs> And then uh, you've got Don Lemon over on Capital or Communist News Uh-oh, Network. I Donnie, mean, there's just Donnie, so much misinformation Donnie, out there. Donnie Lemon. <laughs> oh, my God. You know. Hey, what about his boyfriend, Anderson Cooper? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, you know, go back in the closet. I don't care. I, that, 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 that's kind of a settled issue, whether you're a – a believer in a higher power or not, we're all going to have to answer. I've got certainly enough to answer for uh, on my uh, slate. I don't have that one to answer for, but I've got, I've got pretty much of everything else. But I, you know, I, I, I look at that and I say, let's get beyond that. But when we start talking about Sharia, which is in direct, as Dr. Branch, we all know, is in direct contradiction to the United States Constitution, those two things yeah. cannot coexist, okay? There is no way they can coexist. Uh, we're going to lose this country over this. And uh, it's, you know, if you don't believe that's true, think about how far we've come in just the last five or six years uh, since Barack Obama showed up in Washington in 2009. I mean, it's a, it's a very different world now than it was when that Yahoo took office. Okay. And by the way, he's got a command center about a mile from the white house, uh, completely walled in, uh, top-level security and communication systems. What's he doing there, okay? Does anybody watch that or care what's going on there, okay? I would suggest he's running a fifth column uh, that continues to do what it can to erode the interests of the middle class of the United States of America, which, by the way, as we all know, is the last revenue stream for all these idiot programs, okay? The Tom Steyers and the... uh, Warren Buffett's and the George Soros and the Bill Gates, they're paying very marginal income taxes based on what they're worth, okay? It's, it's the middle class that's getting killed by this stuff. And uh, the only guy out there standing up for us is a guy named Donald Trump. These senators, even from a little podunk state like Nebraska, they're so afraid of going against the political grain that, uh, you know, they're virtually ineffectual is what amounts to. And uh, right. so, you know, I think I think the Second Amendment uh, is ever more important because, it je- you know, it protects all the other ones. But but, uh, you know, we're going to need it because that's where this is coming. And and uh, I expect her to make a, a major move on gun control in the next two years. Um, I, you know, your 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 uh, your crystal ball is probably better than mine. But 
I mean, these, these, these people really aren't even clever. You can, you can see where they're coming and they're not encumbered by facts or not encumbered by statistics that mean anything. They just make it up as they go. And they try to get as Stalin said, if you're going to tell a lie, tell a big one. And if you tell it often enough, people eventually will believe it. And that's about the length of their program because they got nothing else to offer. They got no new ideas. They got no new economic programs that work. They've got nothing except raise taxes and let everybody in. That's their whole deal. I correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but that's kind of my worldview at this point, unfortunately. Let, Josh, let's go to you. you. We haven't heard from you in a while. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, you know, I just want to tell a little bit of a, a personal story in, in, you know, in response to the idea of Islam and what it's doing to our country, and you know, Omar. Uh, you know, this was this was today. I was talking to uh, two people I know that uh, are Muslim, and I was having a conversation with them. And uh, I was I was getting a little bit more serious than I normally do, and I was asking them to uh, condemn uh, Hezbollah and Hamas. And they both they both acted ignorant about it, like they didn't know what I was talking about. I said, okay, well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll make it even more simple. Um, you know. Both of those organizations and the uh, and the Quran that you claim to worship, are or you know follow, are all calling for the killing of Jews, which is what Hezbollah and Hamas both call for specifically, and they want the whole extermination of Jews. In fact, the the leader of Hamas said that he hopes all the Jews uh, congregate in Israel so that he doesn't have to hunt them down throughout the whole of the world. And I asked them both. Do you, do you you or are you against the idea of killing Jews because they're Jewish? And both of them refused to answer the question. They wouldn't say no to that. And, and this is something that, you know, is, is, is not new, special to me. This is, this is Islam. If someone is a true Muslim, and, you know, IQ Al-Razuli has been on the show many times and spoke about this. If someone is a true Muslim, this is what they're supposed to do. So for Omar to even be on you know an elected congresswoman who swore her oath to the constitution on a Quran there's so much hypocrisy in everything that i just said you know through her and we're going to continue to get the type of reactions that we're getting absolutely and that is not a minority uh unfortunately um and god has predicted this and uh you know, yeah. the state of Israel hangs on by a thread against basically the whole world. And uh, the Jewish people are despised simply for who they are. And I'm, right. frankly, just disgusted by the whole thing. And uh, and I'm even more disgusted by Chucky Schumer and uh, mm-hmm. by other liberal uh, left-wing establishment, uh, Democratic, media-oriented Jews yep. in Washington – uh, most of the major newspapers and and and, and media out uh, uh, sources are uh, at least partially owned uh, by Jewish influences or assets. Where do mm-hmm. these people? What what are they thinking? I know. About? Or are hey, they thinking? Hey, at all? Clint, Clint, you know what it is, Clint? These left wing Jewish Jewish uh, people that that vote liberal are voting for the same ideology. That killed millions of their people, the, the communism. Yep. I mean, you know, these, these people that are voting for Bernie Sanders or these people that are voting for any Democrat, they're voting for the policies that killed their ancestors. And it, it baffles me, and, and I can't fathom how stupid and ignorant they are 
or, you know, that they want to actually go with this ideology. And you look at, for instance, for instance, this, this is crazy. You have people, like, for instance, there was an article in Utah today that a young kid got ashes and he went to school and they said, you can't have those on. And he had to wash them off. This is the kind of discrimination we're getting. The DNC announced today that they won't let Fox News do, um, broadcast any of their debates. And the yeah. left is, you know, discriminating and basically uh, leaving us out of a lot of stuff. But if we do that to them, they start screaming and crying. It's such a double standard, and I'm tired of it. Yeah, it's really beyond the double standard. There really aren't any standards. They don't even make – they don't even act. You know, when they're hit with the double standard argument, they don't even respond to it because it's so obvious that that's the case. They don't plan on changing their approach to anything. So, you know, just let the Republicans talk to themselves about it. They're they're going to continue to go down the path they're, they're on. And, uh, I mean, these debates next summer, they're going to have to do them. What have they got, 37, 38 candidates running at this point? Um, they're going to do the debates over two nights. I mean, it's going to look like a big Hollywood Squares game. Who are you going to put in the middle square? It's Hillary going to be Clinton a circus. I heard, over 30, I heard over 30 people are running in the Democratic Party. And I hope that they can get in there and really, you know, let's put Hillary in the center square. Go to Hillary to block. Okay. You know, uh, whatever. Or Uncle Joe Biden. He was in Omaha the other day. These guys are working at <laughs> places like Omaha, Nebraska now. Are you kidding me? Uh, the, they're out working the fields, baby. This is a two-year poll. It isn't one year anymore. It's two-and-a-half-year poll to get to the White House, and that's what they're all doing. It's, uh, uh, you know, they don't do their jobs. They don't do that. Maybe, maybe thank God that they don't show up and, and vote for uh, their own interests a lot of times because they're out, out on the road campaigning. But, um, you know, I want to know where the Republicans are. We've got how many in the, in the Senate? 53, I believe. Is that what we've got now? I mean, what's wrong with those 53 yahoos going uh, to the mics in front of the nation and saying, this is what we are going to do. We're going to get behind Trump on these things, on some of these things. We've got some disagreement with him on, so we're going to work those out, and we are going to push this agenda. And, uh, and and just, you you know, try to stop us. We're running the ball tackle to tackle for the next two years. You won't hear any of them doing that. They don't want to do it. And so we are really not represented. Uh, I'd, I'd like to get the other. I'm not trying to pontificate here. I don't sense that I have a representative on Capitol Hill, even though I've got three of them. Okay. So in this little state of Nebraska. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I moved here from California seven years ago, which is a complete crazy place, okay? But even here, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, a little, it's a little political patent place, and, uh, and nobody is really for – the reason they hate Trump, in my opinion, is because they know he has actual authentic desires to get things done, which is against the way we do it in Washington, we just play yeah. this little soap opera game. Nobody really believes anything's going to change in Washington, except for Donald Trump. Am I wrong about that? No, you're absolutely right, uh, Josh, and then Dr. Branch. Yeah, you know, I definitely want to touch on the idea of whether or not, you know, I feel represented. Uh, the answer is sort of, kind of, not really. 
I mean, here's the, here's the deal. The amount of laziness in Congress, especially on the Republican side, it seems, when Republicans have charge of, you know, both sides of Congress, nothing happens. I mean, even when, even when, no matter who's in charge, the representation of the people when it comes specifically to Congress is almost non-existent. For instance, even the idea that the president can declare national emergency about anything, any of the presidents ever that could do this, the fact that they can do that is was all that was was Congress passed a bill so that they would not have to have responsibility for a situation that was pressing. That's all it was, so that they could sit back and be lazy and not have to make decisions. That, that's the whole idea of this of the idea that a president can have a national emergency. So the idea uh, that they're supposed to be representing us in D.C. isn't true whatsoever because they don't. The things that actually affect you and I on a day-to-day basis, they, they there's no bills that come up for any of those things. Where does there is under Obama, there were all kinds of regulations put. On uh, This is a super small thing, but all kinds of regulations put on gas can lids and the way that gas cans were allowed to be. Apparently, some of the fumes were sifting up into you know, the environment and hurting the environment. So they made all these caps that don't work. They, they're, they suck. You can't, you can't use them to put in anything, uh, hardly any machinery, any equipment. So do you think my congressman cares about that when my dad sends him a letter and calls his office, even though my dad is wealthy enough to give money to him and has in the past? Do you think he cares? think a bill's come up to change these, ga- these gas cap lids? Absolutely not. They don't care about the things that actually affect us on a day-to-day basis. They care about pontificating. And that's 95 to 98% of all of the elected officials in D.C. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so, do Ridge, I, go ahead. so do I feel I'm represented? Let, let me put it this way. Donald Trump. Now, this is when I ran for superintendent of public instruction, I ran as the Trump candidate. People ask me why that makes a difference. It's very simple. I don't look at Trump as a person. I don't look at Trump as the president. I look at Trump as a movement of millions of people that said enough is enough. Just like Clint said, Cliff said, you know, back in uh, 2009 when this all started, we said enough is enough. America is going to go over a cliff. We're going to stop it right now. We're going to put America first. So I have two representatives, Andy Biggs and Paul Gosart, that believes in the movement that is Trump. And I look at this as a movement. I don't look at this as one individual. The problem is, is we have too many people. For instance, two of our representatives voted for this crazy bill, uh, crazy resolution today that do not believe in a Trump the movement. Shutdown, right? they, they, that's right. They believe that it is, okay, well, we'll see what happens to Trump. We're going to vote our way. We don't care. This is a movement, folks. We're here to make America great again. It's very simple. Put America first. Build the wall. Build our safety. Build our economy. And guess what? Then we can include other nations into this, create better deals for America. And that's what we can do. And that's what we see happening with Trump. And what scares the heck out of the left is people like me are on Trump's Twitter feed. 
you said, you know, what about Fox not being included, you know, in the debates? What did Trump do? He got right out there and he said, exactly. He said, well, I won't, won't, well, maybe I won't show fake news. I won't show, let CNN or MSNBC do it. That's, and, and, and when, when he's debating the Democrat, he won't go on those channels. That scares the heck out of him. And that's our movement. That's the movement that is Trump. And that's where that's what I stand for. That's that is the driving factor behind what makes Bob Branch get up in the morning and say that we can make America great again. We can go against these Omars. We can go against this crazy train. And what's happening now is America is exposed to this. You know, the people are looking at how crazy the left is right now. I think, you know, to me, you know, uh, this is, you know, Donald Trump is probably the best thing to happen to America in generations. And I I just love it. I I just love it. And I I love being a part of it. You know, I love exposing it. And to me, Mm -hmm. we have to look at the Omars and the LCs of the world and make people aware of what's going on. Right. And not enough people well not enough people not enough people talk about what I'm about to say, but I think it's important because I've talked about it before. The only way to descri- describe Donald Trump is as a, a, char- a character from the Bible. This guy is something straight out of the Bible. Uh, nobody can accomplish what he can accomplish. Nobody could save the world like he could save the world. Nobody could deliver every single day like he delivers. This is something very special. This is something that God and Jesus planned very carefully, and they knew it was Donald's time to save the world. And, Clint, you and I were kind of talking about this. Clint, what do you think? Well, I I just know that uh, we had Dennis Prager in Omaha a couple years ago uh, as a breakfast speaker, and and he made the comment that he thought that that God often used uh, very un- likely figures to do his uh, heavy lifting and to do the major work that needed to be done, i.e. Moses and uh, Paul and the Old and New uh, Testaments, respectively. And it would take somebody who was a complete outsider like like President Trump in order to to make the kinds of paradigm shifts that needed to be made. And I agree with that. I, I agree with Dr. Branch. I think that's exactly what we've seen going on, and that's why it's worked. And the fact that the Democrats are at least... Um, non comatose enough to realize that something's happening that that uh, should be viewed as a positive for the American people. But uh, since it's not their uh, campaign uh, slogan or their their crutch, uh, they've got to come out and oppose it. They're not even sure why. By the way, I mean, how can anybody be against the economy doing better? Really, if you think about it, and, and more middle class people uh, being employed. How can people be against some of the other things that the president has done? To level the playing field, if they were really being intellectually and and uh, humanly honest about it, they wouldn't have a problem in the world with any of that. And right. that's not what right. they are, right? So I don't know. What well said. We have, we only have about a minute left. Um, I do want to get some final thoughts from Josh and uh, Dr. Branch. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, real quick, uh, I got to interact with Andy Biggs a little bit when I was in D.C. lobbying, so you got a good one there, I tell you what. Uh, you know, the important thing is with Trump and uh, what some of these congressmen and senators have been able to do since Trump was elected, it gives them 
an opening and it gives them uh, more of a spine than they were able to have with Trump. So that is one thing that is, uh, I think, is optimistic for the future. Um, so uh, ho- hopefully that continues. Well said. Well said. Dr. Branch, final thoughts? Well, I want to go back, uh, if, if you don't mind, uh, to when you were talking about, because I didn't get an opportunity to, to talk to uh, Tom Morrissey, uh, two, two people that I hold in extreme high regard in Arizona. And you know that I, I love I love the sheriff. To me, yes. you know, Sheriff Joe Powell is, you know, he's he he he's is the, the epitome the of a best, Wild man. West. Yeah, he's he's the Wild West sheriff. And instead of saying, well, you know, uh, you know, I, I didn't get to know Wyatt Earp, but I'll tell you what, I'm a friend of Sheriff Joe Powell. And to me, that, that's that's something I hold in high regard. But also, I you know, I, I I've had the privilege in the military and you know in, in private life to to win many awards. And the only award that I have on my desk, everything else is put away nicely, but is a award that Tom Morrissey gave me because that's what it it was uh, as the uh, legislative district chairman of the year for 2013 for the state of Arizona presented to me by Tom Morrissey. And that's the only wow. word that I keep out. And the reason is, is the high regard I have for Morrissey. And it was yes. an honor for him to say, well, you know, Dr. Branch is a friend of mine because it's nice to be considered a friend of Tom Morrissey, and it is an extreme honor to be considered as a as a good friend to Sheriff Joe or Powell. That's tremendous. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And Tom Morrissey, you know, I loved having him on earlier tonight, and you know, he's been on the show many times, and just a great guy, so down to earth. He has so many stories, and he's lived such a profound life, and you know, uh, it's just so cool. It really is, and. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. I, I love you know his his background for sure. Um, but that's awesome. I would I I I thought you may have would have told him that on the phone, but I, he had to go. That's probably why, right? Oh, I'll I'll see him multiple times this year. I'm sure we'll cross okay. functions, but he knows how I feel about him. And uh, absolutely, you know, uh, I, I like I like Cliff's say, uh, question as to why why anybody would want. We got to go in about ten sec. We got to go in about but, ten seconds. Hey. But you know Tom's Tom's one of the good guys, and that that's for darn sure. So Proud of him. Absolutely, uh, Doctor right? Branch. Yeah, yeah, Clint. Please tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, well, uh, ClintBellows dot com. Uh, you can Google me. Uh, my my radio shows on fourteen twenty kotk dot com. Uh, as you know, I'm in the process over the next month of. Uh, of moving the uh, the site for that radio show to more of a nationally syndicated uh, uh, internet slash satellite basis, I'm I'm giving up terrestrial radio. It's too much politics yep. there. So uh, yeah, that's where I'll be. You'll be coming uh, to my new network. Which I'll be, I'm excited about. Hopefully, we'll be doing something together on Next Gen. That'll be fun. So, uh, uh, but I'm very impressed with the way you put some great uh, intellects together here, Rory and. Um, you know, the key is to do what well, Riley could never figure out how to do, which is to get out of right. the way and let them talk. That's it's hard to keep uh, that that many people uh, happy at the same time. But you you do a pretty good job of what I must say. Thanks, buddy. We we'll, we gotta go, but we're gonna have you back on next week. God bless, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll call you. All the best, gentlemen. Good night.
Good night. All righty. Uh, Dr. Branch, please tell everybody where they can find you. Follow me on Twitter at Bob Branch. That's B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-H. And look forward to chatting with you online. All right. And we'll see you next week. God bless. Sounds good, buddy. God bless you. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, give me a follow on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y. All righty, buddy. We'll, we'll see you next week. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. I want to thank all my guests, all my co-hosts, all my sponsors, and my amazing audience. Remember, my show is on over 60 online platforms, and we are listened to in 22 different countries. If you missed this show or uh, the interview or different clips, you can find them all online, and you can also visit our media site, The Next, N-E-X, Gen, G-E-N, USA.com. Again, that's The N-E-X, Gen, G-E-N, USA.com. The Next Gen, USA.com. And uh, it's a lot of great stuff is there. And uh, I want to wish you all the best weekend, and uh, I will see you all next week. I'm Rory Sauter. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.